I've been talking about spiritual gifts. We're living in a day that Isaiah 60 is, I think, being fulfilled uh, in our now and future. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So what I envision, the reason I'm talking about spiritual gifts for the seventh time here, we're going through the nine gifts of the Spirit to uh, talk about how they function and, and what it looks like to be operated, to, to be used by the Lord in them is uh, I think in our future as we go into the time just before Jesus comes back, I think God's going to use the church to awaken a lot of people and a lot of people come to Jesus and a lot of people be ministered to in lots of ways. And it's going to take the power of God to do that. So I want to encourage you, don't just hear what I'm saying on Wednesday nights, put it into practice. The notes are on our website. And so go to victorychurchraleigh.com. You can follow along in the notes. I usually don't share, again, everything in the notes, but you can follow, see what I do share, and then go back and look at them again. Uh, and I want to encourage you to, to get a hold of this, uh, uh, of the uh, idea of gifts of the Spirit and being used by them. How many hear me? So let's jump right back into this. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the gift of working of miracles and uh, get into the uh, thick of it. First Corinthians twelve thirty one. before we get there, says, but earnestly desire, everybody say earnestly earnestly desire the best gifts. The Greek word there, zelu, it means to be zealous for spiritual gifts. And yet I say, show you a more excellent way into being used in spiritual gifts, he says there. So again, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Amplified New Testament says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love that he talked about in 1 Corinthians 13 that Jackie alluded to. Uh, make it your aim, your great quest. And then he said, earnestly desire. It's that Greek word, zelu, again means to be earnest about something, be uh, really hot and white-heated about doing that thing. Earnestly desire, <coughs> excuse me, and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts. And so we're to earnestly desire. I asked this last week again. Do you, on a regular basis, desire spiritual gifts? Uh, to desire them, you got to know about them, study about them. There are lots of great books about them. I have them in my library. I've studied this subject for 46 years now. And I haven't exhausted it yet, so I encourage you, read books about it, and then ask the Lord. I do it every day. One of the first things I pray in the morning, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus prayed. And when I do that, I say, Lord, let spiritual gifts come into manifestation. I pray that on Saturdays as I lead the prayer meetings here because God wants spiritual gifts in manifestation in the body of Christ today. How many hear me? So we've read this every time. I'm going to take off from this. is my launching, launching place here, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, where it talks about spiritual gifts in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, again, verse 4. There are diversities or differences of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries. That's ministry offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, or the helps ministry. There's lots of different ones mentioned in Romans chapter 12. Um, and he says there are but the same Lord. There are differences of activities, verse 6. But it's the same God who works all the, all the, uh, in, in all the ministry places, all the spiritual gifts. That's what he's saying. They, they work in all of us a different way. Verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given uh, to each one for the profit of all. So, so it's not like you have spiritual gifts and God gives it to you and you use it when you want to, the manifestation comes from the Holy Spirit. So our, our goal should be to walk in such fellowship with Jesus that we're open to his ear, 
open to his voice. Our ear is open to his voice. And when he wants us to minister to someone and he wants to use us in spiritual gifts, we just naturally go there. How many hear me? It's not an animated thing. It's not nothing to try to push or force. It should just simply be the outflowing of the life that he placed in us. Yes or no? comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why he said it that way um, in verse 7. But the manifestation, the shining forth of the Spirit, the uh, Greek actually reads, is given to each one for the profit of everybody. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit to another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit to another, the working of miracles to another, prophecy to another, discerning or seeing into the realm of spirits to another different kinds or kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things distributing each one individually as he wills, not as we will. So, you know, I just take issue with anybody that says, well, I'm going to prophesy or I'm going to be used in the gift of faith or I'm the gifts of healings. I'm going to manifest the gift. No, you're not going to do anything unless the Holy Spirit's doing it. Because again, he distributes to each one individually as he will. So how do you get in the flow? And um, I may mention this again, but I was urged by the Lord as I was preparing this afternoon to remind and encourage you. Um, he says, but one and the same spirit works all these spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Uh, to be used by the Lord in spiritual gifts, I want to, you, you need a couple of things. Number one, how many know you need to, to have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit? So if you're not, if you're born again, that's one thing. The Holy Spirit's in you. But the baptism with the Holy Spirit is what Jesus told the disciples to wait for in the city of Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost, the Jewish feast day, that would happen 10 days after his ascension. He said, wait there. The Holy Spirit's going to fall on you in a different way. You'll receive power. We're going to talk about that word again in a minute. Acts 1 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, etc. So, again, uh, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a catalyst to be used in spiritual gifts. So, um, uh, Jesus wasn't used in any spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit until he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. That just happened to be the same time the Holy Spirit came upon him uh, to empower him. To serve God. I know it sounds odd, but how many know Jesus laid aside the, the, uh, the anointing of being the Son of God and lived as a human being? He was the God-man. And he was used by the Holy Spirit in the same way that God wants to use every member of the church. Yes or no? And so God uses the members of the church after the Holy Spirit comes upon in, us in fullness. Jesus waited 30 years before he ever uh, performed his first miracle because he waited for that same anointing that the, the disciples, the believers got on the day of Pentecost. He didn't use his God anointing. He used the Holy Spirit's anointing. He was used by him. How many hear me? So that should encourage all of us, right? Right? And so Jesus said this, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go into my Father. And so he said, not only will you do what I do, but you'll do greater things. So uh, I feel like I'm in a river right now, and I can't even hardly go by my notes. It's funny if you're up here and feeling what I'm feeling right now. But I just want to, I got to get some things out. Uh, to be used by the Holy Spirit in spiritual gifts, you got to be a prayerful person. If you just go on, play cards, play, you know, get your, where's my phone? Uh, get your, where's my phone? It disappeared. There it is. It's, it's in my office. 
uh, or get your phone out, you know, and, and play, play games on your phone and stuff and, and look at videos all day. How many know you're not a candidate? You, you, got, you got to spend some time with God. So here's what I have found in my life. The more time you spend praying, particularly praying in the Spirit or praying in other tongues. Now, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit this month, uh, 46 years ago, um, uh, on September 12th. And every, every day since then, I spend time every day praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. And I do it every day. And, and you know, it's my business. It's what I want to do. And I do it in my personal private prayer life. I do it in the morning when I get up, then all through the day. And then I spent, some, for instance, spent some time this afternoon praying in the Spirit. Here's what I found out. The more you pray in the Spirit, the more there will be a manifestation of spiritual gifts in your life. The less you pray in the Spirit, the less there'll be of the manifestation of spiritual gifts in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and I just want to make this comment. I'm watching the clock, and I've got a lot to say, so I'm going to jump to my subject in just a second. But I want to say this. I was reminded of the Lord. Uh, what happened to me? Oh, gosh, this was, um, I had been in the Lord maybe one, two, three, four, five, six years. We were, Susan and I were living in Tulsa, and um, um, I was just wanting God to do whatever he wants to do in my life as a young man. And I didn't have a, a, the real whole idea, package of what, where God would lead me and what I'd be doing, but I was going to Bible college. Susan and I were going, and uh, Susan would be at work, and I had a day off, and then, of course, we had school and all, and uh, I got to pray. I started praying on my day off because Susan wasn't there, wouldn't have any children, and, um, and I started praying and, and spending prolonged times in prayer, and, and let me just say it this way. You remember where, uh, I hope I get to my subject. If I don't, it's okay. I, I have to go in this river I'm in. So, um, I, uh, you know, remember what John said in John 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You remember in the book of Revelation? I said, John, it's Revelation 1.10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And, and then, you know, of course, Jesus appeared to him and such in Revelation chapter 1. But he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? That means he was more perceptive of the Holy Spirit than natural things. He, he got to a point, I want you to hear what I'm just saying. He got to a point that is he... he he, he, he sensed the Spirit of God in him stronger than he, at the moment, sensed the natural things around him. Does, does that make sense? Uh, he was honing into spiritual things. He was still in his physical body. He still had his mind and sensibilities about him, but, but, but he, was, he was tuning in and becoming more sensitive to the Holy Spirit at the moment than the things around him. So he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So I started taking some times to pray and I started, and I'd not done it like this up to this time. This was my second Bible school. Susan and I lived living in Oklahoma. So I'm, I remember those afternoons I would spend some time. I started spending, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes in prayer, got up to spending an hour. And this particular time I spent an hour praying in the Spirit. And, and, and the devil said to my mind, you're wasting your time. You need to be cutting the grass, you know. You got you got things you need to do to your car. You know, you got one day off. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pray another hour. So I prayed one hour, and everything came to my mind telling me why I shouldn't be doing it. So I did it another hour. And, and again, when I got through with that hour, I heard again, you know, you just wasted your time. You wasted I said, you know what? You have better us. But here's what happened. I prayed, I don't know, two hours and something in the Spirit, and, and I... I, I got into something I'd never been into before, and, and I, I began to sense the Holy Spirit in a way I hadn't in my life before, and it was really different. Um, have it, has anybody ever uh, ever ever used a, a hand pump well 
that has no electricity, you have to prime the pump. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. If you have no clue, raise your hand. So, so, so you know, you put, a, you, put a, you, you put a pipe in the ground all the way down to the, to the water underneath the ground. And, and, and so on top of the pipe, you put this apparatus. It's basically a, a hand, uh, excuse me, <coughs> a hand pump. <coughs> so you've got to get like a quart of water, maybe half a gallon, and you start pouring it because there's a little grommet inside made of, I guess, rubber or whatever, and, and, and you've got to make a tight siphon inside the pump. So you start pouring the water, and you start taking the handle and doing like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then, and then just keep pouring the water, and, and it's like, you know, you're doing nothing but just turning the handle, and then, and then you keep pouring the water in, and then finally there's a, there, there's a, a, a deep connection between the piece of rubber and the pipe, and it, it creates a siphon effect. And then when you push the handle down, water comes up out the pipe. How many have experienced that? And so it starts a little bit like, shoo, 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 shoo. And then a little bit of water, you know, trickle, 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 trickle. And then the more you do it, it like it gets stronger and stronger. And then it gets to the point that when you pull up on the handle and push down, here comes the water. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, now see, it's strange, but see, when, when I'm praying in the Spirit, it's that way. You, you, you prime your pump spiritually. You, you get yourself ready. Or, you know, you got the great big earth-moving uh, equipment that, uh, that they use to uh, prepare land for, for all kinds of construction. And the wheels are, are, you know, seven feet tall. You know what I'm talking about? Got huge engines on them. You, you don't start that motor with a battery. Did you know that? The battery won't touch that. There's not a, no. That motor is huge. There's what's called a pony motor on the front of it. And if you don't know about construction, you don't know that. The pony motor is just like a little small motor, um, like a little, I don't know. I don't know what size they are. I just know they're on there. So you start the pony motor with a battery, and it's running. And then once you get the pony motor, a little small motor on the front of it going, then you start turning on that big old piece of earth-moving equipment, that big engine. That engine will not start unless the pony motor's first started. You hear me? It's the catalyst. And without it, that big engine won't move. And see, praying in the Spirit is the catalyst for gifts of the Spirit to manifest in your life. Uh, praying in the Spirit is the pony motor. Do you get what I'm saying? Or, or it's, it's the water that's priming the pump. You get it? And, and if you don't do that, you, you won't have a lot of manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So if you're saying, well, Pastor Mitch, you pastor and you're preaching and you're called to ministry, that's why you have all. No, 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 no. This stuff was happening in me before I ever preached a sermon. Do you hear me? And not just for pastors, it's for us, the body of Christ. That's what I'm trying to get across. And if you'll put yourself in position, regardless of what your vocation is, your calling is, God will use you in spiritual gifts. How many hear me? But you got to pay the price in prayer. And there's no way to get around it. So, you know, way back then, that's like 1981, 2, uh, when I was praying like I just spoke about. And it would take me a couple of hours of praying that way for before I could just really feel like, whoa. And there's a change. I don't know how to tell you. You just become aware of the presence of God and aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit on the inside. And, and I got there again this afternoon. I was praying this afternoon. It's like, 
Okay, this feels really good. And I'm, you know, I feel it now. But see, you get there in prayer, and then once you get there, it's like you open a door in your life in the spirit realm. Did you hear what I just said? Like a portal, an opening. And once you start praying, saying, God, I'm hungry, I want you, uh, it's like the Holy Spirit says, there's a person right there, they're open, they're hungry. When we need them, we're going to use them. You get it? So you got to open that door in prayer. Pray with your understanding, but pray in the Spirit primarily. I'm to the point, I pray a few minutes, and, and I'm starting to get there. So, you know, you, you learn to have expertise in this just like any other area of life. If you're a good musician or if you're an athlete and, and you excel in some area of life or maybe you're a great mathematician at work and whatever, you know, but you had, you've had to work on that thing. If you work on the spiritual things, so to speak, and give to them the way we give to natural things, God can use you in a big way. How many hear that? So I want to go back over there. I'll probably come back to that over and over again because that's something we need to hear. Just because I'm teaching on spiritual gifts doesn't mean you're going to be used in spiritual gifts. So we just mentioned gifts of the Spirit. There are three that reveal something, the the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. All that's online. We've covered those. And now we're talking, and those are the revelation gifts. Now we're going to talk about the power gifts. Last week, we talked about the gift of faith in fair detail. God uses me in the gift of faith. So I have some experience in that, kind of know how it functions and operates. And, and really, these gifts work differently in different people. And it's not like it's cookie cutter. God takes you, he takes your personality. He, he takes the way you think, the way you relate to life. And the Holy Spirit uses you to minister these gifts to other, others. To that, does that make sense? So you don't become suddenly an intimated, thus saith the Lord. No, you're just you. And God just starts using you to minister to others. Does that make sense? It's just so natural. So tonight I want to talk about the second gift of power, which is the working of miracles. And if, let me just start off by saying I have never been used in working of miracles. It, it just doesn't, it's just not there. It's just not something that's, part of my ministry. That's the reason the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, uh, showed the body of Christ as a physical body, and uh, every part has a particular thing it does that helps the whole body stay healthy. (coughs) And what he's saying is, (coughs) excuse me, not everybody's going to be used in all nine spiritual gifts, but God will use you in the ones he wants you in. And this just happens to be one that hasn't been part of me. That might be in my future. Could be, but it just hasn't been. But I want to talk about it because it's really important. And let me say praying maybe, maybe a dozen years ago, God began to speak to me in my prayer life that working of miracles before Jesus came back will come into prominence in the body of Christ. And I said, really? And he keeps saying that to me as I'm praying. It's like, look for working of miracles. And we're going to need working of miracles as we go into the future. How many hear me? Excuse me. So let's talk about what it is. Use the word miracle today really loosely. We talk about the miracle of a sunset or a sunrise or, you know, a plant that's budding or beautiful flower, the miracle of flowers. Or or we talk about a miracle of grace where somebody's uh, life is transformed, an alcoholic becomes converted or a drug addict or a prostitute or whatever, or just a sinner comes to Jesus and they're born again. It's a miracle, right? And then, you know, loosely in our technological age, we talk about all kinds of miracle stuff, miracle glue, miracle soap, miracle fabric, miracle of technology. So we've kind of dumbed down that word. So when we use the word miracle, we ain't talking about what the Bible's talking about, all right? So, so here's the definition of the working of miracles. 
A miracle is a, what's this? A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. Look at the next part of it. It's a temporary suspension of the accustomed order. To say it a different way, an interruption of the system of nature. So what a miracle is where God does something that is outside the laws of physics that we understand. And I think we only have a small, minuscule part even of science. There's so many things we don't know about science. So anyway, a miracle defies logic, defies nature, and God just manifests himself. I like it. So again, working of miracles is where, and this is in the notes, where God sets aside natural laws set in motion to govern the earth and does something out of the ordinary, again, defying the laws of physics. So actually, the Greek word for the working of miracles, it's really amazing. It's the word dunamis. And it's the same word for what happens when a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And that word power is the word dunamis. And the word for the working of miracles, the word for miracles here in this verse in 1 Corinthians 12 is the word dunamis. You've got miracle power in you already. Isn't that incredible? Now, you may not have a manifestation of the working of miracles, but the potential's there. And that's what I want you to see. How many understand that? And so it means, now I love this, the, the word miracles, powers, power. And then there's in that definition powers, multiple, plural, um, explosions of almightiness. Now, what comes to your mind when you say that phrase? I, I, I mean, that's something that's so beyond humanness. It's so beyond machinery. It's so beyond creation. It transcends, it goes beyond it. Explosions of God. Now, that's amazing. Would you say? <laughs> Wonders. And then the last uh, phrase, impelling, staggering astonishment. All that's wrapped up in the phrase working of miracles. So the idea is here's something that happens that is so incredibly amazing that you don't even have the words to describe what just happened. You get it? it, it it's just an amazing thing. So... Again, the gift of faith is a passive thing. And the gift of faith is generally, basically, and not always, but a lot of times it's words being spoken. And you just know when you say it, when the gift of faith comes on me, I talked about it last week, you just know you say something, it's going it's, it's to happen. It, and, and usually it's a progressive thing, a little bit at a time, and then boom, there it is. Uh, and so it's passive in that sense, but the working of miracles, no, it's the working of miracles. It's not passive, it's active. It's, it's right there. <laughs> and everybody sees it and go, what is that, right? So, so Elisha got Elijah's mantle and God said, throw it on the water and, and, the, and the whole river opened up before him and he walked right across, right across. That's an explosion of almightiness. When's the last time you got, a, you got something and just hit the water in it. No, you hadn't done that. Well, again, he did because the working of miracles was in manifestation. Let me also say, um, I've seen healing miracles and often healing miracles, sometimes they're instantaneous, 
More often than not, they start and then, and then the manifestation continues until the end result is total health. How many understand? That's a principle. It's a principle of Scripture. In fact, I can't have time to go there tonight. We'll talk about gifts of healings next time. We'll go into detail on that. But there are miracles perhaps associated with gifts of healings. But it's, but it's healing miracles. It's not the working of miracles, this gift. This gift has to do with inanimate objects, inanimate things, the laws of nature where God just supersedes them and he shows himself to be this, this amazing person that we know him to be. Isn't that awesome? So again, the working of miracles, let me say it again, produces works of power, manipulates the laws of nature. Um, let me see. So Old Testament examples, I'm going to uh, skip down to that. Uh, let me say the uh, working of miracles in the Bible you'll find to be more prominent in the Old Testament than New Testament. And I was looking at that in, in fair detail yesterday, today, and then last week as well, and noticed that a lot of the uh, manifestations of working of miracles in the Old Testament were against the false gods worshipped by the people groups uh, in, in that part of the world. Have you noticed that? Like, like, the, like, the, ten, like, like the ten plagues. The, those ten plagues were the working of miracles manifested through Moses uh, against the god, the ten, one of, ten of the gods of the Egyptians. They had a god for everything, and and, you know, unlike the Western world, the Eastern world, particularly in history, if you go study history, they had a God for everything. They have a God of fertility, the God of rain, the God of wind, the God of, sun, you know, sunshine, the God of darkness, the God of this, God of that. And they had all these gods, and they felt like they had to appease or worship those gods. When I was in India, they have 300 million gods, and they're, and they're always putting lays of flowers. They're putting little pieces of fruit. You know, if they're driving their car, crush your fruit under the wheel or, or have some on the dash and have it on the, on the front of their car. And what are they doing? Trying to appease the gods so the gods won't hurt them. Aren't you glad we have a God you don't have to appease? He loves you. It's just incredible, isn't it? And, but I'm just trying to bring the point out, that these... these, these uh, these cultures, they just had all these gods. And so often in the Old Testament, when the working of miracles manifested, it was against these gods because everybody was superstitious, like these are little gods do this and that and the other. And God just showed himself big. He just said, let me show you who's really God. I can make the sun not shine. <laughs> I can make you live or not live. I can make things happen in nature that you've never seen. And he did it 10 times in Moses' life, Right? So anyway, it's an astonishment that happens with the working of miracles. Often, again, the Old Testament, it manifested uh, in an explosive way. Old Testament, God showed himself as the God of power because he had to compensate for the belief systems of the people groups around the Israelites who thought that all this plethora of gods just manipulated human behavior behind the scenes. And God often would show himself so exorbitantly and crazily strong that that you couldn't def deny that something happened. In the New Testament, you'll see more of the gifts of healings in manifestation because as we get into the gifts of healings, they have to do with God's love and God's compassion. And, and Jesus showed us the character of God. God is love. And Jesus manifests the compassion of his heavenly Father when he ministered healing to people. So you'll, you'll see a more prominent manifestation, particularly in the Gospels of the gifts of healings, although Jesus was used in working of miracles. But the more prominent thing in the New Testament would have been the gifts of healings. More prominent in the Old Testament would be working of miracles. Does that make sense? So let's keep going here. So like I just mentioned, Exodus chapter 7 through 14, working of miracles, all those 10 
plagues uh, Moses enacted against the Egyptian gods. Those were working of miracles. <coughs> so let's look at a few. Aaron threw his rod down. It became a serpent. This is in my notes, Exodus 7, 8. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you, say, show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod, cast it, throw it down before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron just threw his rod down in front of Pharaoh and it became a serpent. That's working of miracles. You're not going to make a snake from a piece of wood. That's defying the laws of physics. Would you say? Uh, dust turning into insects. The Lord said to Moses, Exodus eight sixteen, stretch out your rod, strike the dust of the land, it'll become lice. Throughout all the land of Egypt, they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand uh, with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. See, that's working of miracles and manifestation. The Nile turning to blood. I won't read that one because of time, but again, it's in the notes. Uh, uh, he just he just stretched his. Uh, he stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. The Nile River was worshipped, and it turned to blood along with the tributaries and the ponds and everything else, and it was a mess. And again, it was a working of miracles against the Egyptian gods. So um, uh, it worked in other ways. The working of miracles was an operation. Remember when uh, Elijah um, found a widow who was about to eat her last little piece of bread? And, 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 and really starved to death. Uh, but she said, this is 13, 17, 12, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a cooking oil, a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I will just gather a few sticks, cook the last, the last meal. Then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. See, working of mirror, he, could, he probably felt that, he probably felt that dunamis. It came on him. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but let, make a little bread for me first. Obedience is the key to miracles, right? Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself, your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. God obviously spoke to him. That the flour, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. She did as Elijah said. She and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. My friends, that's working of miracles, right? Always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord has promised through Elijah. And there's a lot of people saying, and you know, I've caught wind of this in my prayer life. Listen, what I'm, the next few things just before we go that I read, I want you to understand something. God is bigger than any problem created by man. Did you hear what I just said? That's simple. God is so much more overwhelmingly able than any problem that mankind creates. How many hear me? So, so we're going into a problem time. A lot of the problems that are being created are, crea are man-made problems. Do you hear me? So the famines, a lot of that's man-made stuff today. Lack of food. Lack of goods, this and that. We're going into a really odd time where the spirit of Antichrist is moving certain entities worldwide to make certain decisions, just put the clamps on mankind. And I don't care what happens, whether the dollar dies, uh, whether commerce ceases, whether you wake up one day and the whole world's in calamity and chaos and war. That's where the working of miracles shines brightest. 
Did you hear what I just said? So I'm, I'm saying this to you. If you're watching online, you're in here, hear me out. Don't be afraid of the future. And don't be afraid of the saber rattling. And don't be afraid of all of the doom and gloom stuff. Yeah, it may be coming. But God makes a way for his people. He makes, Isaiah said he makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Is that true or not? Can he do it again? And will he do it for us? Uh, did, did or did not Moses go into the wilderness of Shur on the way to Israel coming out of Egypt? They didn't have any water. And God just said to Moses, see that rod you got in your hand? Strike that rock right there. One time he just said, speak to it. Another time he said, strike it. He struck the rock and enough water come out of a rock to, 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 uh, to quench the thirst of almost three million people. That, that, would you say that's a miracle? A temporary suspension of the accustomed order? An explosion of almightiness? I would say it would, would, is, would you? And then they're in the wilderness. Figure, figure, uh, figure feeding uh, as many people as, as are living in the city of Charlotte. That's a lot of people, right? Yeah. Think about you're responsible for feeding all of them. You're in a desert and nobody's got a garden. And what are you going to do? And so God just says, you go to sleep at night, you get up in the morning, there'll be a heavy dew, and there'll be manna. Manna in Hebrew is, what is it? Because it's this little white stuff on the ground, and it tastes like it's got some honey in it. You pick it up before the dew dries, you'll have enough for your family for that day, you just got to do it every day. Isn't that awesome? That's a miracle, y'all. And then they got tired of the manna, and they said, we want something beside manna. And, and uh, Moses said, God, what do I do with these people? He said, they're going to go to sleep, they're going to wake up, and quail, 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 quail everywhere. <laughs> You're going to have so many birds. You're going to be plucking feathers because you don't want to see another feather. And you go eat so much quail that you're going to wish you'd never said a word about quail. I don't want to say another quail. He gave them lots of quail till they got sick of them. That's a working of miracle. How many hear me? Can God do that today? Do you, okay, I know this sounds a little crazy, but do you think God could grow a, a, a stem of broccoli out of the ground for you? How about a potato? Huh? How about a tomato plant just kind of worming its way up? How about some squash? How about some sweet potato? Huh? Or have a deer get caught in a thicket somewhere because there's no meat anywhere because they, they killed, they, they, they destroyed all the meat plants. The meat distribution centers, I'm saying. Huh? Can God do that for you? So why should we be afraid of things? If God did this for his old covenant people, do we have a better covenant established on better promises? Do we have, do we have the same Jesus today who is the manifestation of God to us? And can he not do the same things and better for us? Can he? So can and should we expect working of miracles when we need it? You know why you hadn't had a miracle yet? You don't need it. When you need it, you'll get it. Does that make sense? We just need to be expecting. And I just want to kind of explain kind of how it works. So, um, uh, yeah, I've just mentioned uh, Moses striking the rock, water fly, uh, flowing out. I'm not going to read this in 1 Kings 18. Uh, the prophets of Baal, they were striking themselves and 
Oh, gods, please, please lick up the sacrifice that I've made. And, and you know, they were going nuts and the little gods were doing nothing. And, and Elijah uh, just said, pour as much water as you can in the trough all the way around the sacrifice. Uh, make it really wet where, where no fire can hardly touch it. And then the God that answers by fire is the amazing working miracle God. And and that was working of miracles. God lapped up the sacrifice with fire. And all the prophets of Baal were slaughtered. It was just amazing, right? Another time the working of miracles happened is when uh, the sun dial turned backwards. And uh, I don't have time to get into the weeds on that, but it looks like actually time is a little bit off because of what happened that particular day. Uh, 2 Kings 28 through 11, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove uh, that he will heal me and I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? Isaiah replied, this is the sign from the Lord to prove he will do as he promised. Uh, Would you like to see the shadow on the sundial uh, go forward 10 steps or backwards 10 steps? They didn't have watches, had a sundial. So you get a shadow on this thing they've made on the ground and it shows the time of day. And the shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. That would be easy. Make it go 10 steps backwards. Oh, we say in South Carolina, backwards. Go backwards. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this. He caused the shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Now that's a miracle. huh? You remember when Joshua said, Son, stand still. Because we ain't finished fighting yet, right? I, I was in Israel, and we had a guy guiding us, and we were on the road. I think we were between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, and she said, y'all see right there? I said, uh-huh. Right here is where Joshua commanded the stun to stand still. I looked back. I said, well, that's amazing. How many know God can do anything? That's working of miracles. You get it? Let's look at the New Testament real quickly here. Here's the working of miracles in the New Testament. Jesus feeding, obviously, the 5,000. I'm going to read this because you need faith for this. How many hear what I just said? Uh, Jesus, uh, John 6, 5, Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming back to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. Already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and and two fish. But what good uh, is that um, with this huge crowd? Uh, One theologian said in one of his books said, yeah, um, the fish were real huge in that day. (laughs) And then then the the bread was humongous. But he forgot a little boy. A little boy toted it in his lunch pail. I mean. Uh, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves, two fish. What as good as this among the huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus says. So they all sat down on grassy slopes. The men alone, the men alone numbered 5,000. Some people think there were in excess of 10,000 people there if you count the women and the children as well. A lot of people there to feed. Uh, looked like an impossible situation. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people via his disciples, obviously. Afterwards, He did the same thing with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, now every man, woman, boy, and girl, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. They picked up the pieces, filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now, what little tiny baskets? 
These were bed baskets. You get it? Amazing. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away by himself. So again, can God do that again? Can he multiply food? Can he provide for you? So let's expect him to manifest himself when necessary in working of miracles. How many hear me? And then, of course, Jesus walking on water was the working of miracles. I'm not going to go over that when it's in the notes, John 6, 16 through 21. He's walking on top of the water. You just don't normally do that. You can skip a rock, but it's going to eventually fall, right? And uh, you might can skid on the surface, but you're going down. Well, Jesus went and walked out to their boat. That's amazing. Uh, let me also mention divine judgment was carried out via working of miracles, Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, they lied to God, lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter just looked at them, and they just fell down dead one at a time. That was oddly working of miracles. There's another guy named Elamus the sorcerer who resisted Paul's preaching. Um, I'm trying to come down here. Um, but Elamus the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, inferred and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was also trying to keep the governor from believing Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, looked to the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil. You know, I've wanted to do that a few times. <laughs> you got to be inspired by the Spirit first. You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now. For the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you. You'll be struck blind. You'll not see the sunlight for some time instantly. Mist and darkness come over the man's eyes. And he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Sure. That's judgment. So, you know, you need to be careful in messing with God's people. Do you hear me? Because you might wander into something you can't get out of. Uh, who knows but what Elamus the sorcerer uh, came to Jesus. This says when the governor saw what happened, he became a believer because he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. That's incredible, isn't it? So, so you know what that tells me? We don't have to be afraid of the circumstances that rise up as we approach Jesus coming. God's going to provide for us if it takes working of miracles. And then we also don't have to be concerned when voices rise up against us, if we're doing the work of God and our work is not completed, it may be that we just look at somebody. Say, you know what? Somebody's going to have to lead you around for a while. <laughs> I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> and you just go do your stuff, right? True. Um, I mean, end with this one. Philip was talking to a guy from Ethiopia and presenting Isaiah 53 to him and telling him about the suffering servant there Acts 8, 39, and 40. Now, when they came, and that guy said, look, I need to be baptized. I, I want to make, make Jesus Lord, the way you're talking about it here from Isaiah 53. And so Philip baptized the guy in water. I'm summarizing to save time. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus. Passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So Philip was found, if you look it up, about 20 miles from the location he was in when he was ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm talking 
He didn't get on a camel or a donkey or a go-kart. <laughs> Instantly he was there. That, my friends, is working of miracles. And I have read and I have read books. I've never had this happen to me, but I've talked to, I have listened to those who have had these kinds of things happen where they were translated in the spirit from one location to another. How many know God can do anything? I have some stories, but I don't have time to tell them about that in, in the current time that we're living in. I just want to end that part by saying that the rapture of the church will be a miraculous, the miraculous, the miracle-working power of God when our bodies are instantaneously changed in a moment in the batting of an eye and gravity loses its force on us and we ascend out of the earthly realm into the heavenly realm in glorified bodies. That, my friends, is the working of miracles. So we're going out of this earth. If Jesus uh, comes back before we go to be with him in death, we're going to go out in a miracle. Isn't that awesome to think about? So I just said all this to kind of expand your horizons, expand your idea of who God is and what he can do. He can do amazing things. How many hear what I just said? So I have never again had working of miracles. Maybe, maybe one, one time something happened, but I've never really called it working of miracles. I, my goodness. I, um, I was in, and I've told the story, but in the context, I was in Ethiopia. No, I wasn't. I was in Congo, uh, Goma, Congo. And anyway, the war broke out again between the Hutus and Tutsis, and y'all have heard me tell the story. And, uh, and so the army was coming out of town, and they were being run out by the enemy. And uh, so I was in Congo, and the um, uh, other army had breached the border of the neighboring state, Rwanda, and they'd come across, and they were running. Boy, they were wild-eyed. I'd never see people so scared in my life. Anyway, a, a, a formation of army vehicles was right beside the road, and, and we were on the side of the road. And, and I actually have a picture of the tank. A tank got out of formation, and... and and we found it coming right for us. We were in an SUV. We were parked on the side of the road. There were one, two, three, four people in it, including me. And, and it looks like we were going to die. In fact, I was going to come back as a pancake. Pancake Mitch. Much smaller than I am now. And, and it looked like it was going to, I mean, it looked like here is, this is it, you know. And my mind is thinking, what's it going to feel like to be crushed? It was that quick, crushed by metal. I actually saw the shadow of the, you know how the front of a tank is like this? And you got the little, you know, whatever you call it, what track? It, well, here it comes. And I saw the front of the tank, and it was so close to us, I actually saw the shadow of it. I just didn't think I had a chance. So obviously a natural reaction, I'm trying to get out of the car, but it's locked. And I didn't have time to unlock the door. And none of us did. And, and I just thought in my head, I didn't have time to pray. And here's the shadow, and here's the tank. It was, and y'all, I mean, all of a sudden, it just pivoted. And it's not in front of us anymore. And I obviously wasn't made a pancake. So I don't have any explanation for that, except it had to be a working of miracles because it was so, y'all, if you were in my shoes, I didn't, but I could have wet my britches. I was so scared, so I didn't have words. The guy in front of the vehicle said, 
don't wait to pray. Because we had some people with us. We want to make sure everybody's right with God. You might not have time to get right with God. You may go into eternity immediately. And y'all, so, so I, I think that might have been working a miracle. So I'm going to my future, and I want you to go into your future, regardless of what happens with the ideology that God is real big. That he has explosions of almightiness available. Astonishing, staggering miracles that can be available when necessary. How many think that's good? Would you lift your hands up with me? Lord, we just release all fear, all tension about our past, present, or future because our lives are in your hands. And ask that you would oversee us. Watch over us. And Lord, we ask for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, particularly this working of miracles. Lord, let us not be astonished or perplexed when perhaps rapid things happen, like you spoke to me today. But let us trust you that the working of miracles can come into manifestation. You can manifest yourself in our place and our time and meet our needs and meet our family's needs until we go to be with Jesus. Lord, let this be a time that people see your power and they come to know you the way the governor did when Elamus the sorcerer was struck blind. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Let this gift manifest. And let your purposes be fulfilled. In Jesus' name.